Hey everyone, I'm Shaz Jones, your host of Bible Hacks, and today I'm joined by a guest I'm very thrilled to introduce to you. He is a co-founder of growahealthychurch.com and has done hundreds of consults in more than five nations. Welcome, John Finkeldy. Hey Shaz and all the listeners, wonderful to be with you today. Oh, thank you for being here. Now, I wanted to start, John, with um, the difference between 1950s movies and the blockbusters of today. What can you tell us about that? Well, when I, uh, whenever I train preachers and help pastors with their preaching and communication, I encourage them to watch a cowboy movie from the 1950s <laughs> because it's invariably got some guy riding very slowly across the Arizona desert with those cactuses and mountains in the background and rock formations and heaps of credits rolling for three, four, five minutes of some uh, laconic music playing. It's a very slow kind of we're easing into it. Then I tell them to watch Aliens versus Cowboys, which was just one of the dumbest movies ever made probably. <laughs> but the opening of it is bang, smash, crash, sound, noise, action everything's going on as the aliens and the cowboys are having it out in the opening scene the first three minutes and it's, it's the it's a big telltale i think a big big symbol and signal of how communication is now compared to just 60 70 years ago uh, 60 70 years ago is a slow pace of life movies represented that there was that you could ease into a message you could ease into your preaching but these days, people have been trained by movies and by TV and even by podcasts that the first three minutes is when they grab you by the throat. They want to keep you. They want to stop you switching to another Netflix series. They want to stop you from kind of getting distracted and just kind of ignoring them. So real important thing, I think, for anyone in communication in any level, but for pastors, Bible teachers, people leading small groups, First three minutes, grab them by the throat, uh, get a story out there, do a Bible reading that the way you do it makes the Bible feel and sound majestic. Uh, do it in a way that really uh, grabs them. I think, I think personally, I think emotionally, people need to feel like, oh, um, and dare I say it, even in an entertaining way. Now, some people go, no, don't put the word entertaining in with preaching, but <laughs> Really, do you, you want people entertained or bored? What would you prefer when you're trying to deliver a message? I'd rather them entertained than being bored because they're more likely to listen. They're more likely to act, act on it if they're not bored. So, yeah, great. Um, yeah, well, check it out, 1950s movie. If you can find it on YouTube, the beginning is so boring. <laughs> Thankfully, we can fast forward today. Yeah, well, you, you can find them on YouTube. I found a John Wayne one from 1930s today. I was like, wow, I didn't even realise he started that early. Um, yes. <laughs> I like that. So choose this day, whom you're going to serve, boring or entertaining. It's <laughs> good. <laughs> Make the well, choice. All, I like that. We've all said through boring sermons. <laughs> yeah. I've preached a fair few of them myself, but... Um, I don't think they're as impactful. And, uh, you know, Jesus was um, provocative, entertaining as well, told stories, 
use symbols, metaphors, and very provocative at times. My goodness, you know, you whitewash sepulchres. <laughs> I mean, not exactly trying to win the crowd, but got the crowd's attention in a big way. Yeah. Uh, eat my flesh, drink my blood. I mean, these these are not sort of things that you just nod at and go, oh, yeah, that sounds good. You're kind of like, what? <laughs> yes. um, grab me yeah. attention is important in communication. He was quite radical in some of the things he said. And I think one of the yeah. dangers of walking with Christ for a long time is you kind of get used to the things he said and you forget just how attention-grabbing they are. They're like, really, yeah. what? He said, what? <laughs> Di and I are watching uh, The Chosen. We finally got into it, uh, season one. And it, it's really striking me, one, how human Jesus was, but also how powerful when he looks at um, uh, um, another person and says, follow me. He doesn't say follow God. He actually said, follow me. And I thought, wow, that just feels different to reading it. Yep, Jesus, son of God. But here's this Jewish guy who's kind of emerged out of nowhere saying to people, follow me. Um, it's just, yeah, I found it quite powerful. But, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's so true. I think you, we can get so accustomed. And I think that's why a preacher's role, a Bible teacher's role, is to actually break people out of that regularity. Oh, here's another Bible story. I know it so well. But you want to preach in a way that, grabs people's attention and that's that's challenging to do yeah so what are your some of your top tips for I guess emotionally or otherwise engaging the audience in what you're saying yeah I think um one of the methods or styles that that I've used at various times doesn't work for every sort of message but one of the methods I've used at times is the Andy Stanley method um, he's got a he's got a five point uh, step through method of of structuring your message, and it starts off with he calls it me. You talk about yourself. So I've got a message I preach about forgiveness, and so I start. And within the first two or three minutes, my goal is to amplify up in the room as much tension as I can. Wow. I talk about a significant betrayal uh, in my life, in my ministry life, where someone really deeply hurt me, uh, deeply hurt our church, let us down in a huge way, in a really significant way. Mike, it's sorry, it's a bit foggy here this morning, a bit humid. <laughs> Cheryl, just get rid of that fog out of my glasses, annoying me, apologies for that. And uh, I talked about this deep wound, this deep betrayal. And what I'm doing is I'm really opening my heart up vulnerably saying, hey, this is what happens to me. And in Annie Stanley's style, this only works, I think, for certain style of message or certain topics, but you really pour out your heart. This has impacted my life significantly. And then the second phase of uh, Stanley's style is you. Have you ever been betrayed? Has anyone really cut you? And, of course, people then are going, oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> that blighter. And, and then his third stage is let's go to the Bible. Let's see what the Bible says about how to handle these moments. And it works brilliantly because the whole first five or six or seven minutes is emotion. It's feeling. Right. And it awakens within people, oh, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Oh, that's me. Mm -hmm. And also it awakens within people awareness that, you know what, that, that bitterness and resentment is still there. I, I, that's not healthy. And the kind of you, what you want to elicit within that first five or six minutes is a bit of a help me, 
help can you get me out of there you know who's going to deliver me from this uh, sin really um so i think that's one way to elicit emotion um another way that i use in in especially in in launching um the first part of a, a message is that i'll go straight to the bible i won't tell a personal story but i'll go straight to the bible Okay. But I'll read it in a very deliberate, measured way that I'm trying to get the scriptures into a into a feeling of majesty, into a feeling of awe, into a feeling of wow. So now I've got I've, I'm also blessed with the gift of uh, a good radio voice. Yeah, so many people took my car into a cat crash repair guy recently, and he's talking to me after a while. He's checking out my car and a little bit of a bump I had to get fixed. And he said. Said, you got a great voice for radio. I said, yeah, I get that. Get that a fair bit. Now, that's just a straight gift. I haven't done anything to develop that at all. That's just a gift from him, from from him, from the Lord. Yeah. And so I I leverage that that gift. And so I'll slow down the reading. I'll pause. I'll, I'll keep the rhythm interesting, the tempo different. And what I find um, sometimes says, you know, what's amazing is that. Even with just the reading of the word, you can feel the Holy Spirit coming. Mm-hmm. You just get an anointing on that congregation, on that moment that is just gold. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll often just read, not often, but some messages where I think, you know what, I want to let the Bible really speak. And mm-hmm. I'll read the whole passage and then pause and let it just sit there and linger. And uh, the Lord kind of is helping me out on that morning. (laughs) People lean in and then you begin to go back through it and unpack it and so on. Um, I think probably that the the third way is I I think stories, you know, bringing up stories um, are are crucial. I'm really sorry about my glasses. Um, We're not worried at all. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to leave them off, blow them. It's so foggy. I can't concentrate. Um, I find stories whenever I, um, you know, and I, you know I'm, I've been preaching for 40 years, so I've you know, done a lot of it. But whenever you feel like uh, the crowd's departing, not physically, but mentally they're mm-hmm. gone, they're out of the building, they're onto lunch, they're onto the football, they're onto something else, <laughs> um, let's go to a story. And I generally structure my messages to have stories through them, or I'm preaching a Bible story that I'm going to uh, just turn a little bit modern, do a different thing, you know, have uh, Jonah on his mobile phone ringing home or something like that. Uh, that just gets people a bit, it's a bit of a speed bump. They go, oh, okay. Yeah. So stories to me are essential to bring emotion um, and attention um, yeah. into preaching. That's great. And it's uh, I can obviously recognise that you have a great, voice for radio and <laughs> thank you people tell me all the time that i have a great head for radio so <laughs> yeah no, i've had that too similar <laughs> gift <laughs> got a face for radio stay on the radio john you'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> one of the ideas in your so you've published lots of books how many books have you lost count um i think i'm up to about six now i right. think six um got another I reckon the next decade I got another six or seven coming. I've already got plans for another six or seven um, wow, okay. coming out. So yeah, in I've your got this... book, um, mm. preaching in a whatever world, yeah, you have 
I think there's more than 20 tips for teaching in a whatever world. And one of them that I really liked, I like them all, but this is probably my favourite. It's to have a big idea. And one of the big ideas that you uh, used as an example was how does God make us into a voice? Mm. So I'm curious about that. How does God make us into a voice? That's a great question. Uh, Haddon Robinson, the the professor of preaching, he's now gone to be with the Lord, but wonderful, wonderful man of God, wrote a book about preaching and came up with this concept or whether he came up with it or just expounded on the big idea. Haddon Robinson, if you ever get a chance to hear Haddon Robinson, now he's got the voice to die for. I mean, his voice is amazing. Um, However, he's probably best on radio. Can I just say that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like me he's got a face for radio but but um his whole concept really hit me of what's your big idea what's the main thing you're trying to say uh in a message what's what's the big concept what's the what's the thing you want people to do so i i think that really grabbed me and and this whole thought of john the baptist wasn't an echo he was a voice the voice of one crying in the wilderness, not an echo. Now, echo is just a voice that was. Echo is basically something that was a voice, but it's just bouncing back. It's a copy of a voice. Yeah. And I think I think in preaching, um, the preacher, the Bible teacher is meant to be a voice. And I think you develop your own voice over, I would say, over a number of years. Because when you first start out preaching, God bless the poor people who have to hear us when we first start preaching because seriously, you know, I'll probably have to apologize to a whole bundle of people in heaven. I first started preaching when I was 19, been saved about six months, those messages. I don't have copies of them. Well, they're not on audio, thank goodness, but they would be horrendously bad. They'd be they'd be really rubbish, I think. They'd be okay, but the Lord can use anything. You use a donkey, you could use me. But I think over the years of of getting into the Bible, discovering the scriptures, deep study, lingering, meditating, studying, hanging around. Eugene Peterson calls it being at home in the story of the scriptures. So resting there, dwelling there, you eventually get uh, an angle on the Bible. Now, I'm not talking about heresy here or weird (laughs) ideas or conspiracy theories, but you have a way of looking at the Bible and putting together Bible truth and bringing people to action that's unique with you. Now, I think it's developed through prayer, through study, through pretty well learning on the job, learning how to preach, learning what moves people, because ultimately the whole point of communication is to get people to act. Right. It's not just to get them to know stuff. Knowing stuff is great. I like knowing stuff. But it's the application of knowledge that really brings people to freedom. It really brings people into a discipling walk with Jesus. So I think it's a it's a range of, of various things that you do, Shaz, over a period, and I will say this, over a period of many years, that you develop a style, a sound, an approach that works for you and won't work for everybody else. I mean, one of the best preachers I've ever heard, T.D. Jakes. I heard him in Sydney mm. going back many years now. And he spoke on, he did a, a message on Mephibosheth. And I was sitting there crying 
I don't cry very often, but no. I was crying during the sermon. My goodness, it was amazing mm-hmm. preaching. And it, but it was Bishop Jake's black preacher with a guy on the organ behind him going berserk at different times. <laughs> and I looked at it and thought, I will never be able to preach like that. And I never <laughs> should try, you know. Now, if I was younger, I might have gone home given it a bit of a crack, you know, because when you're young, you want to try different things. But you also go, you know what, that's not me. Mm. And you realize this is what's me. And I, I think it is a process over time. It's also people feedback to you. Yeah. That worked. That didn't work. I remember sometimes in our church, I'd put out uh, a survey on my preaching to a church, all anonymous. People get a slip of paper before the service um, given out to people um, fairly randomly, but we also chose people who were good, solid citizens in our church. Mm. And uh, they got to rate aspects of that sermon. Um, No name on it. It all went to my PA and she collated it all. And I got a whole bundle of feedback and I didn't know where any of it came from. Um, which was also helpful because I didn't want to look daggers at someone who rated me a one out of 10 or something like that. But that sort of feedback again helps you develop your own voice about who am I? What am I good at? Where do I excel? Where, when, when, I, when I find a certain rhythm in a certain way and a certain style, people will respond and move to action. Um, right. And that's and what I'm you- chasing. Do you critique yourself? Do you listen to yeah. your audio or watch your videos or anything like that? I haven't done an awful lot of that. Every now and again, I've done that over the years, but I'm like probably most preachers, I cringe when I hear myself speak. <laughs> um, and that I've heard someone explain it, that when you hear your voice, um, just me speaking now, there's a structure around your face that you're hearing through your jawbone, not through your jawbone, but there's a sense of your hearing it a certain way. When you hear it on playback, it sounds different. And the reason is it's coming through the air. It's not coming through air plus jawbone. And anyway, there's, there's a theory around that that's, that's true. And so most people are like me. I cringe when I hear myself speak sometimes, but I have listened to my sermons back and, um, and gone, you know, yep. Could have done that better. I tell you what, the joy, one of the joys of being at the moment, because I'm not pastoring these days, I'm consulting, I I tend to develop three or four messages and preach them in different places. So for everyone hearing it, it's their first time hearing it, but for me it might be the 10th time I preach or the 20th time. You know, Jesus did the same. I'm convinced of that. The Sermon on the Mount only went out once. I don't think so. He was preached (laughs) dozens of times all around Israel. Um, so I find that the beauty of that is that I can get to refine those messages as I go along, which you can't as a pastor, I know, but one of the joys of being, you know, in this sort of speaking different places, um, I go, you know what, that's a really good message. I got a couple of crackers at the moment. And, um, as I preach them each time, probably about every second or third time I get a new thought. Yeah. It goes, oh. Okay, put that in. That that flies. That works. Um, oh, I wish I had that when I first started preparing this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's one of the joys of, of of being a guest speaker rather than being a pastoring speaker. Yeah, I, I like that. I often get a new thought when I'm speaking about the same thing, and yeah. so that's fascinating because you think that you've 
done, you know, the study, the meditation, the prayer, yeah. the research, you've got it down. And then all of a sudden you'll see something completely new and you're like, wow, I love that. <laughs> I think yeah, I... nowadays there's lots more speaking opportunities too with podcasts yeah. and YouTube and Zoom calls. And True. but there's also an ever decreasing attention span, <laughs> um, reels <laughs> and shorts and all yeah. of that. How do you help make a message memorable? How can people wow, remember your message more? Yeah, I I think um Probably it's to do with my age and my experience. I'm not a great fan of PowerPoints or object sort of lesson sort of stuff. Um, I know some pastors really lean heavily towards PowerPoint, which I, I don't think is bad as long as you, as you use it very, very well, which means every PowerPoint slide should only have three to five words on it and don't overdo it. It's just too much. So I think PowerPoint, using PowerPoint can be helpful. But to me, the, the two main ways I try to make a story memorable is stories. People right. will remember stories. And uh, as a pastor, you can, three or four years after you've preached a certain message, you can preach the same message, update the stories in it that are personal, that are relevant stories or from contemporary uh, society. And people will go, wow, that was a great message. They won't remember that you preached it three or four years ago. Because it's the stories that are more memorable mm. um, rather than the content to a great degree. So stories will make something memorable. And secondly, I think a really good use of the Bible right. will make a message memorable. When someone brings something out, you know, one of my favorite preachers at the moment is Tim Keller. When it's just, I, I remember when I first just discovered him, I didn't discover him, <laughs> just found him, started listening to him. I, I reckon every time I listened to him, he would say something. It would just be, my goodness, I've never thought of that out of scripture, not just out of his own thoughts, but out of scripture. He'd unpack something. It was just, wow, that that is powerful. That is wonderful. I'm glad I heard that. It's memorable. So I think I certainly would encourage all preachers, but especially developing young preachers, is preach a lot of the Bible. Right. Um, don't, yeah. you know, one of my pet dislikes, I won't call it a hate, but is when people read the Bible really fast when they're preaching so they can get to say what they want to say. So, no, no, slow down. Make the Bible different. Yeah. Slow down. Pause. Rest in it. Let the Word of God do something in people's lives because it's eternal. It's life-changing. It's freedom-giving. So, I think it's so vital that the way you handle the Bible will be memorable. People I think, will. I think yeah. probably one of the more memorable times that I can remember you um, mm. preaching from the Bible was it was a Bible college class. So okay. it was night. Everyone had done a full day of work you know, rushed home, got some dinner, got yep. out, got there and ready to nap while the lecture is. Yep. <laughs> yep. So not right. the greatest environment, but you no. got us to read the story of David and Goliath. Oh, yeah. Yep. With characters, including the narrator, and yep. just notice how much different people say. And yep. I was like, wow, that's such a great technique. Yep. I still remember it to this day. And that was... Probably more than a decade ago, I suppose. Yeah, I would be. 
Yeah, yeah it's um, it is. I've used that a number of times because Goliath's name I think only appears three times in the story. Uh, Saul about fifteen, David twenty odd. Um, so I tell people, and this wasn't my original thought, but the story is about Saul and David, not about David and Goliath. And it's the it's the writer's use of Goliath's name that gives that away. He's called the Philistine um, rather than called by his name. So the writer of the Bible is trying to tell us something about the story that we get lost because of the action side of it. And it is, um, it's, it's also uh, another thing I've done um, in teaching people about the gifts of the spirit is I've got people to read in a class one Corinthians out loud. And uh, as they're reading it out loud, they come down to verse 34, 35, where it says, you know, um, women must sit in silence and, you know, not speak or something like that. Something um, like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Just invariably, invariably, if you get the chance to try this, try this. Invariably, people laugh when they hit that. It's hilarious. I uh, Invariably. And as you're going through, and it'll come through, it's all about prophecy and tongues and the right way to handle prophetic uh, words and prophets and meetings. Then out of the blue comes these weird two verses that Gordon Fee actually thinks they're an insertion, shouldn't be there, weren't written by Paul. So there's a pretty oh. heavy-eating theologian saying that. But invariably, I found it hilarious first time. People, people nervously laugh, like, Ooh. what's that doing here? And... <laughs> But it's reading, you know, and I think the David Goliath thing is reading the Bible aloud makes people go, oh, wow. And I think that's part of Eugene Peterson's being at home in the scripture is using people to bring out um, the story and what people say in the story. You're triggering all sorts of thoughts now, Shaz, but it's a fascinating thing. Yeah, yeah, I I remember doing that a few times with people. It's a fun, uh, fun exercise, David and Goliath. Yeah, I really, it was, a, I think, the first time that I'd noticed that the Bible calls Goliath a champion as well. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, it's the only place that champion is mentioned, ah. and it's mentioned three times, I think, and it's all about yep. Yep. Goliath, how yep. he was a champion to them, but that's right. God's that's champion right. knocked him out. <laughs> so. That's, that's so true. So true. It's... um. The longest speech in Genesis is Judah's speech to Joseph before Joseph revealed himself. Huh. And it's it's a fascinating, that's an interesting speech to read out because you actually uh, discover Judah's repentance in that speech where he says to Joseph, let Benjamin go home to my father, I will be your slave. And that's the line that breaks Joseph when the guy who led the selling of Joseph into slavery has said, I'll be your slave. That's when Joseph can't cope, starts uh-huh. crying and tells his brothers, much to their fear, um, I'm the guy. Wow. I'm the guy, your brother. It's the longest speech in Genesis. And it's it's interesting. There's a guy, Bruce Waltke, who's written probably, I think, the best commentary on Genesis. And he treats Genesis like a series of plays. We have plot lines and stories and characters, and uh, his writing really awakened to me how how to look at Genesis as a storybook, um, story yeah. after story of quite bizarre things, to be honest. But um, yeah, <laughs> I, I love that reading the Bible out loud does make it memorable, does yes. make it different. No yeah, doubt. and and I I never knew that Judah's speech was the longest speech. That's mm. amazing to sort of yep. cover that. Yep. 
Bruce no, uh, Walk. When I said it was probably more than 10 years ago, it would have definitely been more than 10 years ago. Oh, you, yeah. You've had your consultancy for more than 10 years, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, right. 11 years uh, this month. Yep. Okay. Um, yep. And when you go and so you're not preaching, but you're consulting. Yeah. Have you got any tips? Because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs. Any tips yep. for consulting or talking with clients mm. um, that is different to preaching? How do you adjust your message to the audience? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant thought. The, the one tip I'd give, um, this will be, I'll come back to your question, but this is related for entrepreneurs. The one tip I'd give to entrepreneurs is do things that make money. Okay. Focus on <laughs> things tip. that improve your cash flow because it's a big challenge of building any business is do things that make money. So when it comes to talking with potential clients, um, one thing that, that once you have some success in business and with, you know, our Grow Healthy Church is both a ministry and a business at the same time. Right. There's a business element to it I can't get away from, which is fine. So what I've found is that as I've had more success and fruit over the years, and that means, you know, clients, that means cash flow, that means reputation, all of those things, is that I've found that I've been able to relax in my communication with a potential client and I had a Zoom just before we came on here with a potential client, I found that I've been able to really adopt the attitude of what um, what basically is, here's what I do, um, here's what I've done for other people, so some social proof there, uh, here's what I can do for you, and I know this will deliver because I've you know done it before, I know it's proven now 11 years of doing this, um, and I know it'll be great for you, um, have a chat about it with them. And then I say, look, um, don't don't tell me now, yay or nay. I'll send you through a PDF. And I do these really nice proposals that I send through to the client, potential client. I'll say, look, why don't we connect up again in a couple of weeks? Have a think about it. And I keep it extremely relaxed, extremely yeah. open to them going, oh, I'm not sure. That's fine. Not a problem. Um, very rarely in a first conversation with a potential client, do they say, yes, I'm signing up now. I want to get what you're offering. Generally, I find it's feeling me out, checking it out. What do you deliver? What can I expect? What's the price? How long will it take? Uh, will I get the result I'm chasing? Will you help me solve my problems? And if I stay relaxed and if I stay low key and I'm absolutely committed in that first meeting to not getting a yes, Okay. Because otherwise it puts me under pressure to put them under pressure. Right. Okay. And none of us enjoy that. None of us enjoy someone, well, you're going to sign up now. Are you good to go now? So I found the technique of a chat with a potential client, um, send through a proposal, and I, I do it in PowerPoint. So it's nice and colorful. It's well-branded. It's got social proof. It's got um, testimonies it's got um, outlined exactly the cost and exactly how it will happen shave to a pdf send through a pdf and then i send through a calendar invite for a couple of weeks time so let's talk because i know with the pastors i'm dealing with they often have to talk to boards they often have to work through their own processes there's right. always the sense of can i afford the time to put into this will this work how much will it cost? All those questions have to be answered. And even when someone comes back and says, look, no, I, I'm not going to do it. I, I go, no problem at all. No worries at all. Because I know it might be another two years before they come back and say, yes. 
Okay. And that, that does happen to be fairly regularly as well, where, hey, you know, um, that thing that you're going to do, um, I'm kind of interested in that now. Oh, okay, great. So in communicating and handling a no from someone, always be kind, gracious, courteous. Never slam the door, never burn the bridge because you never know when they'll circle back again. And I think as a Christian, you should be you should be courteous and kind and gentle. I think that's the way you should be anyway. But it it also that is it's interesting how often Christian ethics make good business sense. You yes. you would know that. Yes. Um, just Perfect. being nice to people, good to people, being yeah. being treat them exactly as you want to be treated. It's all Christian stuff. Um, yeah, it does well for business. So I think those sort of communications of dealing with potential clients and handling the nose um yeah really important excellent thanks john well we've got less than two minutes to go i can't believe yeah. it goes so fast when i'm talking to you um, how can people find you how can they yeah. discover you online what's the best way to contact you uh google grow a healthy church and you'll find me on one page one um okay. so the website you'll find me um, you'll find Facebook. I've been hacked and deleted off Facebook, so I'm trying to rebuild my Facebook, but crazy. Uh, but just Google Grow a Healthy Church and you'll find my website. And there's a contact form on the website. If you want to connect with me, just fill out the contact form, sends me an email, and uh, I'll get back in touch with you. No problem at and all. We've got um, a couple of seconds left. Can you tell us about the hub? Uh, what yeah. do you give pastors? Yeah, the Hub is a one-stop resource center for pastors and church leaders. It has extensive training that you can use for team training. If you're looking for content to train your teams on growing your church, growing leaders, raising more finance, having effective small groups, having brilliant Sundays, the Hub is full of contact that I've, content that I've developed over the last six years, 27 US a month. I've got a special deal on at the moment. Um, but you can jump in, you get 14 days free. Um, you can take it for a test drive and then jump in and enjoy that community as well as the resources. Great for team training. Excellent. So growahealthychurch.com and yep. for the hub. John Finkelty, yep. thank you for being on Bible Hacks today and sharing your wisdom with us. It has been great to hang out with you and great to hang out with your listeners. Have a great day, people.